you would grab uh, your Bibles now and uh, turn them to Luke chapter 1. Hey, Luke chapter 1. Now, uh, you a movie person at all? I think most people, I think, are nobody, apparently, uh, right here in this room. There we go. A couple of people waving here. We got some movie people here. Now, I think it's uh, probably uh, pretty common that people are drawn to uh, the types of movies, or maybe you're more of a reader and you like kind of literature about these things, but maybe the types of movies uh, that reveal um, within their plot uh, this great master plan uh, that the characters have been following all along. Right? You, you maybe you know, are familiar with some of those you know, critically acclaimed movie. By the way, I'm going to list a few here, and that doesn't mean I'm necessarily uh, approving of every single element of their con- uh, content. But you, know, you think of films, I even just mentioned Shawshank Redemption last, uh, last week, right? That's one for sure. Uh, I think of uh, Ocean's Eleven, maybe. Someone reminded me this week of, uh, of The Great Escape, kind of that uh, older classic movie. Uh, but you see in examples like this, and I'm sure you have your favorites, you know, as the, as the plot kind of plays out and the movie uh, goes on, uh, they reveal there that there, there was this kind of strategy, there was this, this plan of action in place uh, the entire time that we as the audience are, are slowly or, or maybe all at once at the end uh, let in on. You know, where we kind of realize something like, oh, okay, well, that's why that, you know, that character did that seemingly unimportant thing way back in the movie, because it was, it was all part of, you know, uh, all part of the plan, right? It was all by design, this, this plan getting pulled off uh, without a hitch to a T uh, by the end uh, of the flick. Okay, now, I mention all of that because one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it basically does that, right? It really does, okay? But of course, in the most ultimate way uh, ever, right? See, it's, it's just so easy for us to, you know, read some of the earlier pages in our Bible, some of the Old Testament, and uh, not really grasp, maybe you've read certain parts of it and, and, and kind of, you know, glazed over it, not really grasp in the moment there the significance of some of the things happening earlier in the story. Right? I often think of, of Genesis chapter 3, right, and, and, and the fall of man, you know, when God tells the serpent, you remember what he says? He says, he uh, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, Right? And we kind of read over that and maybe you're, you know, you're not really paying attention to it or not really understanding the significance, but that's really uh, pointing ahead, right? pointing ahead to the cross right? and how, how Satan would appear to defeat Jesus there. Okay? But in the end, it was really nothing more than a bruising of the heel, okay? meaning it, it wasn't a fatal blow. Christ would rise again. He would defeat death. He would defeat Satan bruising, or as some of your translations might say, crushing uh, his head. Right? And we realize, oh, that was, that was foreshadowing something that was to come. Okay? Or, or maybe you've read about the institution of the Passover in Exodus uh, chapter 12 in, in Egypt. And you know, it's very natural for us to, to kind of read that and understand that that was all about you know, remembering how God spared the firstborn children, the firstborn sons rather of Israel uh, when he passed over their homes, the, the angel of death did in Egypt there. Uh, and he would pass over them as long as they did what? As long as they spread lamb's blood over the, the, bo- uh, the doorposts. 
Okay, and we think about it as that, and we think about Egypt. But of course, it was, it was pointing ahead to even more. There's even more significance than that because it points to what Jesus would come and do for you and I. Right? He, was the, he was the ultimate, perfect lamb of God who shed his blood for us. Right? We are sons of God. Right? It points to how God would, would pass over or, or forgive us our sins as long as we trust in the, you know, the sacrificial, God's sacrificial lamb and what he did, what, what Jesus accomplished through the shedding of, of his blood. Just a couple of examples that, that we gave right there. It shows us that, that God absolutely had this, this master plan, right? This, this great scheme that he was slowly revealing and, and bringing to, to fruition and completion all throughout biblical history. Okay, but, it, but it was way more epic than any Hollywood movie that you and I have seen or ever will see. Why? Well, because it was about humanity's redemption, right? Saving us from, from judgment, saving us from eternal separation from God. That's what it was about, right? It was him taking our, our judgment on himself and, and, and uniting us with him and, and reigning and, and, and ruling over us in, in love and in justice and, and in peace for all eternity, right? That was, that was always God's plan, okay? And the and the virgin birth, okay, what we're going to be looking at here this morning, uh, was no small component of all of that. Right? It was just such a, a key moment in, in, in God's storyline, in, in the great plot line that he was uh, making known. Right? Where, where we're given insight here into what his plan entailed. And so this is what we're going to look at here this morning. We're going to look at the virgin birth from Luke chapter 1. And so hopefully you're turned there. I want to pray right now and give these things to the Lord and ask him to move in power this morning. So join me uh, as we pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this, this time that we have together to sing and to worship and to praise you, to, to give, Lord, and, and just remind our, our souls again that you are God and we are not. And so, Lord, I pray that as we work our way through some verses here today in, in Luke's gospel, I pray that you would show us uh, that you have this amazing plan that's been in place since before the foundation of the world, uh, that you are, are, are working and you are bringing to fruition and you are bringing to completion all of these things, Lord. I pray that as we um, look at this and as we uh, see the, the virgin birth and as we um, unpack that story and look to apply it to our hearts, Lord, I pray that uh, we would be stirred and we would be moved by how great you are. Lord, I pray that we would um, just accept and, and worship you for uh, the fact that you do rule and you do reign over all and there will be no end of your, to your kingdom. And so God, uh, speak to us here this morning, move in your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, first thing uh, here this morning, it's this. The virgin birth was God's master plan to enter his creation and rule it forever. Okay, through which we see the astonishing favor he's shown us. All right, we see this here, and uh, this passage is where uh, we see God reveal uh, to Mary both his 
his plan, all right, his plan to send the Messiah and uh, the overarching purpose of that plan, which is pretty amazing. This is uh, no insignificant passage that we're looking at here uh, this morning. So let's pick it up in verse 26 in Luke uh, chapter 1. Follow along with me. The first part there says, in the sixth month. Now you might be thinking, well, sixth month of of what? Yeah, that's right. It's a good question to ask because we are certainly picking it up here, kind of in the part, in the you know partway through a narrative here, and and really this is referring to uh, the sixth month of of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Okay, we learn about that in uh, the verses prior to ours, in uh, verses five uh, to twenty-five. Now, I know you're thinking, like, who's Elizabeth? It's been a while since I've read this, and I've, you know, I've kind of studied this, or maybe I've never, you know, heard any of this before. Well, uh, we learn in these verses here that Elizabeth uh, was the mother of John the Baptist. All right, and so she was in her sixth month of of being pregnant with. With John, and so we see in these verses here that uh, an angel, the angel Gabriel, actually uh, visits Elizabeth's husband Zechariah. Okay, he was a he was a priest, and him and his wife Elizabeth, they were they were on in age. Let's put it that way, and they had been praying for years that God would bless them uh, with a son. But uh, up until that point, uh, they were unable to, and they were even beyond uh, the child-bearing uh, years uh, at this point. But but. Uh, uh, Gabriel, forgetting his name here, Gabriel uh, reaches out to them. He meets them and says, hey, you're gonna, have, you're gonna have a baby. And we even looked at that a little bit at that passage last week and how he would come in the spirit and the power of, of, of Elijah and he would turn uh, people away from their sins and he would be great and, and uh, it would be an amazing thing. He would be the precursor of the Messiah coming. All right, so that's what that is all referring to here. Let's keep going here. It says the angel uh, Gabriel, okay, in the sixth month was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth uh, to a virgin betrothed. Okay, now betrothal uh, was basically uh, a more intense version of what you and I would know as engagement, right? The engagement uh, period of time in a relationship uh, between, uh, right before uh, a husband and a wife will get married. And uh, now I know some of you, you've gone through the engagement period and you're like, I can't imagine anything more intense uh, than the engagement period. But basically uh, betrothal was just that. It was more intense in terms of a, a legal arrangement. It was a legally binding agreement uh, that Jews are commonly practiced. All right, and because it was legally binding, it actually required a divorce uh, to break it. So even before uh, the actual wedding. And so here's what it says. It says that she was betrothed, okay, verse 27, uh, to a man whose name was Joseph. A Joseph of the house or the lineage of David. Okay, if that being, of course, a King David. And you would know just two weeks ago, we looked at Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter one, and the genealogy that he laid out. And we see here that Joseph uh, was in fact from uh, David's royal line, okay, from whom the promised Messiah would uh, come, would be born. All right, so through, um, through Jesus' legal connection, to Joseph, in the sense that he was essentially his, his adopted son, Jesus obtains the, the legal right uh, to the throne. All right, now we see here, okay, end of verse 27, take a look. We see that the virgin's name was, was Mary. Okay, and he, this is Gabriel now, uh, the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. 
Okay, that word favored there, just kind of make a mental note of that. We're gonna come uh, back to it. All right, he says, greetings, uh, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, but look at her response. Uh, But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting uh, this might be. Okay, that she she was greatly uh, troubled uh, literally means that she was kind of thrown into confusion. Right, literally, this, this also means that she was disturbed. Okay? She was disturbed by, by what Gabriel uh, said. Right? She, was, I mean, she was just trying to figure out, like, what is this? Like, what does this mean? What is, what is happening right now? And I can imagine that, yeah, that's exactly how she would feel, uh, seeing this like wild archangel Gabriel uh, appear before her at her doorstep uh, in this kind of random small town, uh, Nazareth. Okay, but look what he says to her here, verse 30. It says, and the angel said to her, uh, do not be afraid, Mary. Okay, do not be afraid. Okay, so on top of her confusion, on top of her, you know, being disturbed by what he actually said, uh, she was clearly terrified by all of this as well. Now, if you've, you know, read the, you know, throughout the Bible, you would see that this is like the response whenever uh, somebody saw an angel. I know this time of year, you know, maybe some of you on on your Christmas trees, you've got like those precious moment little like angels you know, uh, ornament type things with like you know, the little diaper and they're adorable and they're kind of, you know, squishy and these little babies. That, that, that's not what biblical angels uh, look like at all. These guys were fearsome, uh, terrifying uh, individuals. And so she is, she, she doesn't even know how to handle this really right now, okay? But literally, uh, he says to her, he says, for you have found, he says, do not be afraid for you have found a favor, Okay, favor with God. There's that word again. Remember I said we would come back to it? Second time it's been used. Okay, that, literally that word favor uh, means grace. Okay, it means grace. So uh, God's uh, favor and grace towards her is that behold, this is verse 31 now, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay, Jesus is uh, the Hebrew name for Joshua, which is literally translated as the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Now, uh, verse 31 here is, is an amazing fulfillment. Okay? It's a fulfillment of, of Isaiah uh, chapter 7, verse 14. And what Isaiah said, now he said this, uh, believe it or not, 700 years uh, before this moment here between the angel and before Mary. Just to kind of give you a, a reference there of the time that had surpassed since this was first said. But here's what it says in Isaiah 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us, which is one of the titles that was given to Jesus. Okay, so, so in Luke now, we, we are seeing here in this verse, in verse 31, this, this kind of long-awaited you know, achievement of Isaiah's prophecy. I mean, seven centuries later, right? We see the unveiling now, uh, the dawn of redeeming grace is a line that someone just shared with me before this service started. This is what we see coming to fruition, God's master plan coming into effect, you know, verse 32, keep going. It says, he will be great. Does that seem like a bit of an understatement to you? And everything that we know about Jesus, yeah, he will be great. Well, he expands on that. 
Okay, he says here, and, and will be called the Son of the Most High, meaning the Son of God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign, meaning he will rule over the house of Jacob. This is over Israel. For how long? Forever, right? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Okay, Jesus would not be born to, to just be some, you know, earthly king over a, a temporal kingdom where he would have, you know, a, just a human lifespan, just like, you know, any other king die and be forgotten. That's not it, right? We know as, as, as students of the New Testament that Jesus in, in time throughout the gospels, and this would be, you know, explained even, in, even more fully through the writers of the New Testament, how Jesus would, would reveal that he would be the king over absolutely all, over all uh, earthly creation, right? He would be the, the, the promised Messiah, he was the fulfillment over all the Old Testament prophecies. He would rule over the kingdom of God forever, for all eternity. Now, can you just imagine yourself for a second being in Mary's shoes and hearing all of this? Like, I think for so many of us who have grown up in the church, you know, we've heard this, this story. We've read this text so many times. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's what the, that's what the angel said. Right, but just try and imagine being where she is. You know, she doesn't know what's going to happen after this. She's trying. She's just trying to absorb this. I can just imagine, you know, Mary just kind of being like, "I, I need to kind of just take a seat for a second and and just kind of let this, let this kind of settle. Right, let this sink in. This was this was some epic news. This was this was a big deal. Okay, and we'll get to her her ultimate response here in just a moment. But but again, I want to I want us to focus on and go back to that word favor. Right, that word that I said that we would come back to, the angel calls her, you know, oh, favored one. God's, God's favor is, is towards you. And again, that word means, means grace, okay? And again, I just wanna be, you know, candid about this and, and, and speak carefully, but, but this, is, this is really where, you know, we've seen the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, okay, really mishandle these verses, Okay, in, in general, they've, they've kind of elevated Mary uh, and, and see her as a, as a giver of grace uh, to us. Whereas we see here in these verses that she's simply a, a recipient of grace. If you have an ESV a study Bible, you'll see a little note in there that's, that's pretty helpful and explains all of that uh, in there yourself. You can read that. Okay, God's grace, God's favor uh, is shown to her, okay? Which again is what? That's just a picture of, of what the gospel is, right? The gospel is God's favor. It is God's grace shown to you and I. Because at the end of the day, you know, the, the hard truth is that you and I, we're just, we're just wicked people, right? Do we know that? Have we, have we you know, admitted that? Do we understand that? We, we really are. That's, that's, what, that's what the truth is, Right? We deserve judgment. We deserve uh, death even. We deserve uh, separation from God when you strip it right down. Okay? But the astonishing news of, of the gospel is that you know, despite all of that reality, which is all true, you and I, we, we've somehow found, found favor uh, with God. And you're know, like, why? Like, why? Why is that? Well, well, simply because he is a... He is a gracious God who has decided, has chosen to bestow favor upon us. 
right? It is not because uh, of something that you and I have done to, to earn his favor, to earn his grace. That's not how it works. I mean, if you even think about uh, Mary, right? She, she didn't do anything to, to position herself, to, to, you know, to be in the right, in, in the right path, to, to ultimately become the, the, the virgin mother of the Messiah, right? She didn't do anything. God simply chose her, right? He chose to, to, to show her his favor in this way, right? And through the virgin birth, God's favor, God's grace is shown. It's, it's extended uh, to all of us, to you and I as well. And this, of course, speaks to, to the very nature of our salvation, right? It's about favor, it's about grace in its, in its DNA, right? Getting saved is, is not about, you know, doing a bunch of, of good deeds, you know, for God to, to, to show him that you are worthy of his, of his favor, right? It's not about that, okay? The, the, the good news of, of the gospel is, is entirely about what Christ has done for you and I, right? It's not about what we can do for him, he paid our sin debt, right? He did that by dying as, as a perfect sacrifice, as a substitute that, that satisfied the, the righteous requirements of, of God's law, right? We read the Old Testament, which is, you know, God's law. We read the 10 commandments. We read, you know, all the details of all of that. We realize that God's standards are high. We fall short of them. God or Jesus fulfilled them uh, for us. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. And we receive salvation as, as a gift. That's it. As a gift of his unmerited favor. Okay, so, so getting saved, if, if, if someone needs to do that here this morning, it, it really means that you've received and, and, and you've accepted God's, God's favor, God's grace that he's extended to you through Christ Jesus. It means that you're no longer trusting in your own, you know, moral, you know, or, or, or religious efforts and behavior to, to try and somehow make you right in God's eyes. Maybe he'll approve of me if I just behave properly. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. It's, it's a lost cause. Okay, and the reality and the reason for all of that is because you know, all of our efforts, as good as they might be, are somewhere deep down flawed and, and tainted by sin and therefore insufficient, unable to please God. Okay, so salvation is no longer trusting in me because I'm insufficient. It's trusting in, in Christ because he is sufficient. He was sufficient, right? It's trusting in everything that he accomplished through his perfect life and his wrath-satisfying death. God's favor towards you and I, as you start to comprehend these things, I mean, it's, it's astonishing, right? It's so unearned by us. It's been earned by Jesus for us. It's, it's freely given to those who repent, right? When we humble ourselves and recognize our need and cry out to the Lord, Lord, would you save me? Would you forgive me, right? That is God's master plan, that's it. And, it, and it was set into motion and revealed through what we see here in the virgin birth. Listen, as we are 
marching our way towards Christmas here, towards the 25th. And I'm sure we've got, you know, lots of plans and it's office Christmas parties and it's gathering with family and it's, you know, lots of shopping and it's eating all kinds of chocolate and all of that kind of thing. Don't forget to take the opportunity here uh, to, to just remind your soul of all of these things. Right, of the astonishing favor that God has shown you through the virgin birth of Jesus. Have you noticed how our hearts just remind, need this reminder constantly? Right, they need it. We, we so easily forget it. And it becomes so important, and I would urge you and encourage you to do this, just even identify the different ways that you instinctively try to earn the favor that, God, that Christ has earned for you. Right, have you sensed in your soul the different ways that you do that? Maybe it's in something like your approach to and your, or your attitude towards obedience. Right? You understand that obedience is important. But for you, you're trying to obey God to get him to approve of you. You're trying to obey God to get him to you know, forgive you. You're, you're, you're obeying him to try so, so that he is now in your debt and he owes you answers to your prayers, that type of thing. That, that's not what it is, right? Perhaps you, you treat your, your service that way. I'm gonna serve the Lord so that hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll be okay with me and he won't strike me down, right? The gospel tells us that he's already, he's already showered us with his favor, with his grace, with his love. You, you've already got that. Even if you behave horribly this week, that's already on you. He's already given it to you. And as we remind ourselves that Christ has earned it and I cannot, it starts to transform our hearts. It starts, it starts to change us. And now we want to, to start obeying him because we love him. I, I see what he's done and, and, it, and it means so much to me. And, it, and it's so astonishing to me. Of, of course, I want to obey him. Of course, I want to serve him. I, I want to obey him. I want to serve him. I want to serve other people as well. I want to, I want to share the love of Jesus Christ with everybody. Right? This is what I want to do. I'm, I'm the servant of the king who rules forever. I church marvel in this this week. As sin comes up in your life, and it will, it will daily, just, just repent of it. Repent of it quickly. Repent of it earnestly because of what Christ has done for you. Allow that to motivate you. Talk about these things with, with loved ones. Husbands, talk about this with your wives. Work through the, the favor of God that he has, he has shown to you through Jesus Christ. Talk about this with your kids, disciple them. Talk about this with your friends, with family, with coworkers, with, with anybody. Seize every opportunity that you can to think about these and speak about the glories of the gospel as you revel in, just in, in God's master plan and how amazing he is, what it was and, and what it's all about. Second thing here this morning, just two things, by the way. The virgin birth was God's master plan to enter his creation and rule it forever, revealing that, that literally nothing would stop him from saving us. That's an amazing truth. Now, unsurprisingly, perhaps, um, Mary, as you know, she's trying to uh, discern these things and kind of make sense of Gabriel's announcement and just allow that to kind of settle on her. She, she asks him a question, okay? And we see it here in verse 34. Take a look. It says, And Mary said to the angel, uh, How will this be that I will give birth since I am a virgin? Okay, now at face value, 
this seems to be or appears to be kind of a similar line of questioning that uh, Zechariah himself asked when Gabriel told him that his wife Elizabeth would give birth uh, to John. Okay, and if you've you know, read that passage at all, uh, you would understand that in that case, in Zechariah's case, uh, he is actually chastised for asking his question, right? Because his question uh, is coming from, uh, from a place of a different attitude, right? His, place, his question is coming from a place of just flat out unbelief. Okay, he's like, no, it can't happen. Uh, can't uh, possibly be the case. My wife is, is barren and, and she's far too old. Okay, here, Mary, uh, she's simply trying to understand all of this because all of it just seems to her to be physically impossible. And she's like, you know, well, hey, wait a second, I'm, I, I'm a virgin, right? How, how, will, how will this be? How is this, this going to work, right? And we can be confident here that her question to Gabriel isn't rooted in, you know, the same stubborn unbelief as Zechariah's uh, because of what follows here. Okay, Gabriel, he doesn't, he doesn't chastise her. Rather, he explains more of God's plan. And then she accepts this as the word of God and she believes, okay, she trusts. Let's see this here, picking it up in verse 35. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow or, or will envelop you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. All right, so Jesus would not merely be a, a human son uh, adopted by God, but he would, he would actually be uh, God's son, Okay, immaculately, immaculately conceived by, by the Holy Spirit, okay, by, the, by the power of the Most High, as opposed to conceived through a human sexual relations. Okay, so this, this completely unique, never, never been seen, never been done before a pregnancy would be the result of, as, as Leon Morris, who's a theologian, says, is the result of divine activity. Okay, achieved in the womb of a virgin. Hey, make no mistake, this is, this is the miracle of miracles that takes place here. Okay, now, if you keep going there, that the child uh, to be born will be called holy. We read that. Okay, it means more than, than he would be uh, morally upright. Okay, it means more than that, though he would certainly be that as well. We know that he would be, he would be sinless, but it's, it's referring to the fact that, that Jesus would actually be a divine. He would be divine, meaning that he would be sharing in God's uh, very nature. Okay, so, so born of God, right, the Holy Spirit, uh, thereby having the divine uh, nature, okay, and born of a woman, okay, also having a, a human nature. Now, verse 36, I'll take a look at that now. It says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Of course, we know that's John. And, his, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. All right, so why does he say that? Well, well to give Mary confidence. To give Mary confidence in what had been promised to her. Right? Gabriel, he, he lets her in on this other miracle taking place. 
right? If she was, you know, uh, beyond her, her years, beyond her age, if, he has, if she has been, you know, barren from the very beginning, but now she is pregnant, that is a miracle suggesting you can have confidence in the miracle that is about to happen uh, within your own womb, right? Amazing. Okay, and this is really highlighting what verse 37 proclaims that nothing, okay, nothing will be impossible with God. Okay, no obstacle is, is too great that the Lord cannot overcome it. Okay, no, no impossibility from, from our, you know, kind of limited vantage point, what, what we can see, you know, kind of limited by, by time and space here and all of that uh, will stand in the way of what God purposes to accomplish, right? And what it was here was to save humanity uh, from its sin, right? A plan masterfully orchestrated from the very beginning of time, right? A plan that was hinted at throughout human history, throughout biblical history, and then executed to perfection in something as unexpected and so kind of under the radar and low key and, and unique as, as a savior born to a virgin, right? Isn't that incredible? I just notice. Mary's response here to all of this, I said that we would get to it. I mean, just so full of faith. Look at verse 38. Mary said, I mean, just keep in mind the magnitude of what she's just been, what's been revealed to her. She says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, as we kind of look at this here and as we read this and as we see, you know, Mary's, response to the angel's visit and, and all these wonderful things that he shared with her, I think it should get us thinking about what our own response should be to all of this. You know, especially when you think about it, you know, considering the fact that we have the benefit of seeing God's master plan uh, rolled out and established even further than she did, right? At, at this point in the story, again, you know, Mary doesn't know more than, than what she's been told. Right? She hasn't seen it yet. At this point in the story, Jesus hasn't, hasn't even been born yet, let alone go to the cross, let alone rise from the dead. But we know all of those things, right? We know that he would be born. We know that he, you know, he would go on to live a sinless life. Right? You and I know that, that he would die. We, we, we look at that on Good Friday. We know that he would rise again three days later. Right? And we know that, that after he rose, he would, he would reveal himself to his disciples and he would teach them, he would, he would instruct them and show them how he was the fulfillment of, of all the Old Testament, all the scriptures. And after that, he would ascend to the Father and, and then he would send his Holy Spirit to us, which would begin the, the, the church building program, right? And he would, he would give us strength and he would be our power and all of that would be built on the foundation of the gospel, where the Lord would do this, he would redeem sinners, he would, he would heal the sick, he would, he, would save, he would save those who are lost, he would rescue prodigals. Listen, the, the virgin birth, okay, all of what was to, to happen in, in Mary's lifetime and what is still yet to come, okay, none of it, think about it, none of it impossible with God. Right, that's what the verse says there. Nothing is, literally, literally nothing could or, or would or will stop his plan to save us. 
He rules, he reigns, he, he does this forever, period, right? End of story. Now, now as you hear that, as you receive that, how, how does that strike you? Does that, does that have an impact on your hearts right now? Does that, does that have an impact on your, on your life? What, what, what does that fill you with today? Well, I can tell you a few things that that should fill us with. That, that, that should fill us with, with faith, right? Look what God is capable of doing. And not just what he promised, but what he actually fulfills, right? If, if, if Mary can have faith, if Mary can believe it, and I've seen even more of the picture, I, I should be filled with faith too and what the Lord uh, has done and what the Lord uh, will continue to do. You and I should be faith-filled people, on top of that, we should be full of confidence. Right? My God will not be stopped. He will not be hindered by anything ever in this life. Right? You and I have, have all kinds of life situations and circumstances that, that rob us of confidence constantly and, and, and rattle our cages and, and, and bother us and, and send us off in, into the ditch constantly. But we should be confident in the Lord based on what we see here in the virgin birth. And the fact that the Lord actually came through and Jesus was born and he would die and he would, he would rise again, defeating sin and, and defeating death, that should fill us with confidence. It should fill us with, with humility as well. As we realize it's not about me kind of trying to make myself feel good throughout life or, or, or puff myself up or, or be better than, than other people. No, it's about, it's about lowering myself. It's about asking you know, God in, 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 his, in his power and in, in his Holy Spirit to be my strength and be my power in, in every uh, everyday life, right? It's not about me and my, my strength. We should be filled with humility as we see this, as we just consider the fact that God loved us enough to do this. We should, of course, be filled with joy, don't you think? Are you filled with joy this season? We, we sung about that. Right? We have you know, those written on Christmas cards that people give us, joy to the world. But truly, we should be the most joyful people no matter what is going on, no matter what is happening, no matter how difficult life gets because we know the end of the story. We know what God has done. We know that what he will do, he will come and he will gather us to himself. Our eternity is all sorted out. Right? There's no major surprises in that regard. We know that we will, we will be with the Lord forever. But right? if that doesn't bring us joy, guess what? Nothing else will. Right? Nothing in this world will bring you joy the way that that does. I think as we consider all of these things, we should be filled with just, with just love for God. Right? As we see the love that he has shown to us by, by, by coming to us, Emmanuel, God with us. And we see what he was willing to suffer and endure at the hands of sinful men, all because he loved us, because of the great love with which he loved us. As Ephesians 2 says, we should be sparked to, to love God in response. And it should really lead us to, to more heartfelt and more faithful, fervent obedience. And that's certainly what we see in Mary here, right? Because because what does she say? Behold, I am a, I'm a servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That should be our response. We are God's servants. We should obey him. We should 
have a desire and a fervency, not a laziness about that. We should be all about it. We should be going after it. Listen, the virgin birth is the announcement that, that God is here. He is with us. He will rule and reign over us forever. What a glorious thing. Or let's pray about this now. Let's, let's give God the worship that he deserves. Join me as we pray. God, we thank you and praise you for you are wonderful. Lord, we praise you and, and even try and wrap our minds around the reality that you came to this earth. Again, you came in, in such a kind of unheralded way in many respects, being born in a stable, being born in a manger. And God, I pray that as we kind of go over these passages again, Lord, that the magnitude of all of this would not be lost on us, Lord, that that the focus of our hearts would not be on other things this year, Lord, but that our hearts would be stirred by the reality of your love. Lord, that we would be stirred by the reality that the, the virgin birth and Christmas is it's really about you coming down and redeeming us and ruling over us and reigning over us for all time. God, I pray that we would not chafe against that. I pray that we would embrace it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred with joy here today. Father, I pray that as we sing, you would be high and lifted up, Lord. I pray that you would be honored. I pray that you would be praised. We pray all this in Christ's name.